night, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back into the coaching staff, episode number 57. And this week, Tony and I are going to talk about balancing the individual wants of your players with the needs of the team, which is a very, very fine balance for most of us as coaches. Uh, you know, how players are motivated by their individual achievements from uh, in many cases, but how do we make sure that those individual goals really tie into the team goals as well? And, and that's, uh, that's what Tony and I are going to talk about here this week. Tony, uh, hope all is well in the CR. Um, are we ready to jump into some uniform numbers right away here? Yeah, let's see what we got for 57. I don't know of many, but we'll see. Linebackers and pitchers. Well, My favorites. Check, check that. Check that. Uh, one offensive lineman, two linebackers, and three pitchers. So, Oh, boy. So where do you want to go? Um, Let's go linebackers. Okay. What do you got? 57 linebacker. Man, I am drawing uh, a blank on that. I probably should have chose pitchers. <laughs> Appeared in Pitch Perfect 2. Clay Matthews? There you have it. Very well done. Uh, Hall of Famer, mainly with the New Orleans Saints. Ooh, um... Sam Mills? Nope. Good guess, though. I think he was 52. Okay. He played with Sam Mills, though. Ricky Jackson? Ricky Jackson. Well done. Uh, offensive lineman for the Fish. Hall of Famer. Man, I am struggling. On, I, I can. It's close, but I cannot think of the I believe name. Dan Marino's center. Then I was, I think it was off then. Um, I, I'm going to draw a blank on that one. Dwight Stevenson. Okay, that wasn't who I was thinking. Yeah, tough one. It was a tough one. Yeah, yeah. Um, three pitchers, a closer, and two solid starters. Mark Langston? Was he a nope. was he 57 for the Mariners? Nope. Nope. Um... John Wetland? Is that the closer? Nope. Uh, I'm off to a good start. (laughs) Uh, Closer was most famous with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I want to say Donnie Moore, but I think that's wrong. Nope, I think Donnie Moore was 31. Okay. uh, You want me to give it to you? Yeah. Frankie Rodriguez or K Rod. Oh, K Rod. Yeah. Yep. I wouldn't yep. have got that. Yeah. Then two left handed pitchers. One was most notable with the Twins, the other one with the Pirates. I'm going to go Frank Viola. Nope. Okay. Um, lefty for the Twins besides Frank Viola. Twins, and then he went to the Mets. Not Johan Santana. That is Johan Santana. You got that one correct. And okay. then the other guy uh, made, like I said, made his name with the Bucks, the uh, the Pirates. Pirates. Yeah. They had good pitchers. They had they, they had good pitchers. He was a key part of their really good late '80s, early '90s teams. 
lefty late 80s. Sid Fernandez? Nope. He was Mets, I think, though. Yep. Um, crap. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get this one either. John Smiley. Uh, yeah. I remember. I never would have got fifty-seven, yeah. but yeah. yeah, yeah, that's all right. Tough numbers. We're gonna have some tough numbers for a while here. I think. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm yeah. Look like a dummy for a while. It's okay. It's all right. I still love you, buddy. So thank you. Um, balancing individual wants with team needs, Mister Viss. This is uh, this is the art of coaching. It's not the science of coaching. This is the art of coaching. Getting your individual players to subjugate to a degree their own wants to what fits the good of the team establishment of roles who's going to do what where why and how all of that fun stuff that we get paid these massive you know four to seven thousand dollar stipends uh to to you know have success and it's a key component of our successes um you know where do we where do we start with this tony you know i would say you kind of already hit on it, you know, when you were talking about the whole laying out of roles. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big thing to get them to sacrifice the me for the we. And I think a part of it, you know, you mentioned art. One of the other things, and this probably isn't the greatest part about it, but almost like a used car salesman yeah, where you have to talk them into it. Yep. And I think a big part of it is helping them to understand that if they do sacrifice the me for the we, and the team has success, that puts them on an even higher plane and makes them even more wanted mm-hmm. at the next level than they score, say, 20 a game, and the team wins three games the entire season. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, I uh, uh, had dinner last night with our mutual friend Jody Steyer, and we were talking about this a little bit. And, uh, you know, if you want, I, I think one of the things you have to convince your your individual players of is if you want those individual accolades, the team needs to be successful as well. And you need to give yourself up to the team. If you want that, you know, uh, if, if you are, if you are a, a college basketball player and you're averaging 20 a game, but your team goes 10 and 18, well, you're just a empty stats type of player. That's the perception of you. But if you average 18 a game and your team goes 18 and 10, then you're seen as a very, very valuable player. You're giving up two points a game, but your team plays better. And I think that one of the challenges that we have to lay out to our great players, uh, to our best players, is are you going to make the people around you better? I, I think that's that's a, a, a pseudo challenge to your better players. You know, yes, you can go out and get yours, so to speak, um, but you need to go out and also make everybody around you better. And if you don't make everybody around you better, uh, then it doesn't then it doesn't really matter how well you do individually because you that's that's the goal. It's a team sport. It's not an individual sport, and there's nothing wrong with tennis, wrestling, all those type of things, but that's where you concentrate on your individual accolades. Here, we've got to make everybody around us better, and I think that's a big message that you need to deliver to those kids. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know who coined this phrase, but, you know, bad teams have leading scorers too. You know, and if you take a look at... <laughs> I had never heard that. A, I like that one. I like that. If you take a look at winning percentage and success... 
that that's what the game's measured by you know inspiring others to play even better around you you know whether you make a pass and get them an easy bucket or you know whatever the case may be but can you make other people around you better because if all you can do is focus on you and put up your stats you're not a very hot commodity because yeah. you know it's one of those things where you've got to be able to fit into a role you have to be able to fit into a team and be inspirational and help those around you to play better if you don't do that um you know you want to be easy to play with not hard to play with easy to play with but hard to play against yeah and you know that's the thing that i think that we're trying to inspire you know our athletes too because the ego can be a very dangerous thing um but if you can put that aside and and go after the team success and go after you know winning conference championships winning you know uh district titles and sub-state championships and and get to the state tournament make some noise and maybe bring some hardware home there that's where you truly your 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 legend if you will those who come after you're going to look at that it's not going to be well they're a great player you know the but they didn't have anybody around them. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't make the others around them better. And that, mm-hmm. that's the challenge for every player, I believe, to you know be easy to play with but to be hard to play against. Yes, absolutely. I, I really like that. Uh, you know, I, I did write down, and, and this is a Belichick saying, uh, there is no I in team, but there is an I in win. And you have to, uh, you have, to have really, really good players who make – really really good plays there's there's no great team without great players um there's there's bad teams with bad players average teams with average players you need to have good players to have a good team and you have to build trust with your best players um but you can't discourage them from making plays you've got to allow them to go out there and and make mistakes uh, to maybe force some things from time to time. But as long as they're not being overtly selfish, uh, you're going to need those type of players that are going to make plays for the good of your team. Um, I, I re- I, one of the things I wrote down is when you have a player who is a really, really talented player, I, I think that has to be a, a very consistent, almost daily message. And it's just got to be like a a, a drizzle, you know, uh, one of the things that I do in practice, and and I don't know if I'm right or wrong with this, Tony, uh, but we start practice at 335 every day. I don't do, the the kids know what they are supposed to do by 335, but I don't overcoach that. As long as they are doing what they are supposed to be doing, I kind of let them go, and I don't do a lot of coaching right uh during those time periods what i do do a lot of though during those time periods is i walk around and i talk to a lot of kids during that time and i talk to them about everything but basketball hey how'd your day go how's one act going how'd you do on your algebra quiz uh while they're getting their shots up while they're getting their dynamic warm-up done while they're stretching while they're doing all the things that they've been tasked with by 335 and that is my time to communicate, hey, Tony, you know, 
stay, stay aggressive, stay aggressive, really like what you're doing, stay aggressive with that. Uh, you know, those type of things. And those are the type of messages, those daily conversations, what I call the drizzle of rain message as where it's, it's not this big, heavy downpour, thunderstorm type of thing. It's just this steady messaging that you have for individual players and your team of what you need from them. And, and that's one of the things that I do uh, these side conversations is to make sure that, you know, these are ways that I communicate with my kids and allow for their growth. And it's really, um, it's, it's really informal. It's, there's nothing formal about it, but it's just a way of consistently trying to get our message across of what we need from individual players. And those 10 to 12 minutes to me are really, really valuable for those, for those type of, uh, that type of communication that needs to be had for your team to be successful. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a individual thing for a coach, you know, when you've got what you do and there are, you know, number of other ways to, to do that during that time. But I think that's an important message that kids got to hear. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot with our kids is there are several people that can't have a bad practice. Yeah. I can't have a bad practice. The point guard can't have a bad practice. Our best player can't have a bad practice. And that's not to say that they can't miss shots or have a brain fart here and there. Yeah. That's saying that their effort can't be bad. They've got to be locked into what we're doing. They've got to hold themselves accountable. They've got to hold each other accountable. But one of the things that we, we try to make sure as well that people understand is there's no small roles on this team. Uh-huh. You may not be our leading scorer. You may not be a starter. You may not get consistent minutes, but every day in practice, you can bring it and push those guys that do. Every day in practice, you can be a leader. Um, just because you know you don't start or you're not you know uh, the leading scorer or whatever, it doesn't mean that you can't be a leader. And I, I think that's so very, very important that we make sure that we emphasize, again, there's no small roles on our team and get people to buy in to pulling the rope in the same direction. But, you know, I like what you're talking about in terms of that message. I, I do it a little bit different. I usually sprinkle it, you know, in during practice throughout when maybe they're shooting free throws or they're subbed out or, or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, um, you know, talking about what I'm seeing and stuff like that. But no, I think it's a good time at the beginning of practice because what you're doing there a little bit is you're motivating them to go out and to play hard and practice and continue to search and and become the best version of themselves. And I think that's a key thing, too, is the fact that, you know, we have roles, you know, maybe it'll it'll be different each year in terms of what kids can fit it's not like you get the carbon copy well, this is going to be my leading scorer my leading rebounder you know and they're going to be our leader they don't always fit that it's something that you have to discover and they grow into as the season progresses as well coaches in the omaha metro area get signed up today for the metro basketball coaches association coaches clinics to be held at union bank and trust facilities out in west omaha 204th and dodge we've got another great lineup this fall here four wednesday nights we're going to get you taken care of we got a lot of great stuff here starting on september 20th an on the court demonstration by two of the best coaches in the region trent miller the men's basketball coach at morningside college and then the highly successful coach of the creighton blue jays on the women's 
side. Jim Flannery is going to come out and do an on-court demonstration for the coaches in the area. Week 2, September 27th, it's going to be Doug Woodard, the former head coach at Bellevue West and multiple state champion coach there, along with Derek Kellogg, who's an assistant coach at Creighton University on the men's side of the ball. So you've got two great coaches there that are going to talk. On October the 4th, you've got Fred Hoiberg, the head men's basketball coach at the University of Nebraska, going to come in and do some talking, I'm sure, about his offensive philosophy. And then Andy Shaw from Iowa Western, one of the best small, uh, one of the best junior college programs in the country. The last week here, October the 11th, Ken McDonald from USA Basketball is going to come in. He's got a lot of different experiences that he's going to share. And all of this stuff is going to be at the OSA facility at the Union Bank and Trust Arena, 21015 Cumberland Drive out in Elkhorn. Uh, there's going to be wings, there's going to be beverages, there's going to be door prizes, a lot of really, really good stuff. If you want to get signed up for this year's MBCA, uh, get a hold of Tom Crable here at Boystown. The address is 9002 Pacific Street in Omaha, 68114. He'll get you set up, or you can sign up at the door. But it is one of the best clinics that you're going to have. A lot of great coaches, a lot of great company, a lot of great discussions here at the Metro Basketball Coaches Association clinics. So get signed up for those today. Yeah, I I really think that that's, you know, all of those things are really important. Um, I, I love what, and you've said it multiple times, Tony, there's no small roles on the team. And I, you know, we're, we're drawn to the best player or the second best player. But I also think during those side conversations, it's important to recognize the 11th player, the 14th player, the 17th player. Hey, uh, Billy, loved what you did in the JV game the other night. You know, keep playing physical like that. Really w- like the way you attack the boards there. Um, just stuff like that. Um, you know, those that, that idea came from, uh, and I can't believe I'm saying this about the Cardinals, uh, Tony. Um, so, uh, you know, Coach Finley, if you're listening to this, uh, I, I'm, I'm praising your beloved uh, Redbirds here. So, you, you know, you're welcome. But, uh, you know, Tony LaRusse, I read a story about Tony LaRusse, and he'd walk around with a fungo bat uh, during pregame batting practice, that type of stuff. And he never he never hit a ground ball, but he always walked around with it. It gave him an excuse to talk to every to his guys on the roster. And his goal was to have a a personal conversation with all of his players on the roster during each series. So he played a three game series. Basically, he wanted to talk to eight or nine guys every day. Uh, just checking in, seeing how things are going. And so I literally have on our rough draft of our of our practice, you know, who needs a La Russa? And it's something that I think about, hey, who do I, who do I need to seek out? Who do I need to talk to? Uh, and, and we try to keep track of that stuff. We try to communicate that within our own coaching staff as well. So um, those are some things that we do. Are, are there, I've got two more things, Tony. Um, about about this how many how many more things do you have i think i just got one okay um i'll start here um and then bounce back and forth here so uh one of the things that i think you can do to show individual players that there's always room for improvement and uh giving up themselves for the team is to show plays or show clips and again it's so easy for us now with youtube and all that other stuff to uh, to show players examples of players that they admire of them making plays that are making their teammates better or them giving themselves up for the team or how they've changed their game. Um, one of the things that I talked about at the USA 
clinic was uh, everybody watches Steph Curry shoots the threes. And, and obviously he's the greatest shooter uh, that I've ever seen other than you. And <laughs> I almost got through that with a straight face. Um uh, but I told the kids, and if you really watch Curry, his jump shot has gotten better and more lethal because his finish game has gotten even better. And now he's not just a dead shooter. It's like, okay, we move him off the line and we've neutralized him. Now he's going off the bounce. He's got his little 10 to 12 foot floater. He's figured out how to create distance and, and finish that way. Uh, stuff like that. And and I told the kids, I said, and my station was finishing. I said, Become great shooters, but then also develop your finishing game. Uh, because if you're just a dead catch-and-shoot player, they're going to move you off the line, and then what? You've got to develop something off the bounce that's going to get that finish. And, and you watch Curry as he's developed over the years. And and just things like that. And, it, again, that's just one example. But, you know, the great example of, of Phil Jackson con, um, convincing Jordan to shoot less and to trust his teammates more for the Bulls to be better or, you know, just you know, all that type of stuff that's readily available. And, it, and it's just a couple of uh, entries on YouTube away. And I think that's a great way to show, to, to give your players examples of, hey, this is, when I say this to you, this is what I'm, I'm talking about. Maybe this will help you understand it better. And, and I think that's something we need to use to our advantage. Yeah, and that was kind of where I was going to go with it. I was going to use a little bit different example just in terms of, when you take a look at it, the clips, whether you might, you know, flip on the huddle camera and watch practice with them or yeah. whether you see it in a game, you know, you, you point out, this is what I'm talking about. This is when you did it right. And then clips of, well, this is where we could have done that. You know, and I think the other thing about Curry that's important, too, is he's a, he's a really good passer. And I think that's an underappreciated yep. part of his game as well. And that makes him even more lethal. And then, you know, he's never going to be a lockdown defender. But the one thing about Steph is that he plays hard all the time on the defensive end. And I, I don't, it's not perfection out of him, but as long as he competes on the defensive end, mm -hmm. that's super important. I think those are things too where you can go into and show not only clips of themselves, but clips, like you said, of the Steph Curry's, of those people that are out there and show how they've multifaceted their game and now they've become an even better all around player. And then in my situation too, a, a thing that, that we could use would be to sit with our guys during the varsity game and show them when the varsity guys, because they're probably mm -hmm. doing it more right than what the sophomores are, but to highlight well they should that's be. what I'm talking about when I mean backside rotation. That's what I'm talking about when I mean make the extra pass and stuff like that. I think those are all good you know, to, to show them, whether it's on live action or whether it is on, off of film. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the last thing that I had, and... You know, again, sometimes it's the kids, sometimes it's mom and dad, you know, it's it's the boyfriend or girlfriend. We do absolutely nothing with individual stats within our program. Uh, we put it online because we're required to. And I know you guys in Iowa, Tony, uh, you guys have actually have like a fine system or something like that in place, don't you? If you don't get your stats up within 24 hours, you can get like your school ha will have to pay money or something like that, isn't it? How I don't it works? think there's a money thing. I think what could happen is you could lose the opportunity to host in the postseason. Okay. Um, but we we post the stats online. I don't have any issue with posting the stats online um, because, like I said, we're 
We have to. But we never talk about it. We never print it off and say, you know, Mary's shooting 42% from three. Great job, Mary. Uh, you know, Susie, you're shooting 12% from three. You stink, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. <laughs> Don't uh, shoot it again. There's yeah. a reason you're open. Yeah, exactly. Um, we do talk about all the time with, like, our scouting reports, with our post-game stuff. Uh, we, we talk about team stuff. Uh, and so... And, you know, we, we don't, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we don't, uh, we, we don't post any of that stuff. We don't talk about it. We don't put it up in the, we don't put it up in the locker room. Um, on, on the back of our scouting reports, we, we have, um, you know, we have our we have our six game goals. We have three offensive game goals, three defensive game goals. On on defense, we want to allow forty five or less. We want to get fifty three percent of all rebounds. We want to foul sixteen or less times a game. Those are all team goals. Uh, offensively, fifteen or less turnovers. We want to uh, attempt as many free throws, um, or we will make more than uh, we will make more free throws than our opponent will attempt, and we want to shoot 40% or better. Those are our game-by-game goals. That's every game goals. And then we have our four game particular goals. We got to keep, you know, we got to keep the Vis kid off the, the left block. If he gets down there, he's going to kill us or whatever, you know. Um, but we never bring up the individual stats. Um, I did that one time, and it was uh, a, a season where we were facing some some tough things internally. Uh, we had some seniors that were upset that freshmen and sophomores were taking a lot of their minutes. And, and finally, I and this was pre-internet posting things, Tony. And uh-huh. finally, I just said, okay, here's the stats. You know, take a look at it and compare your statistics with somebody else. And, you know, that made it worse. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it really did. But at the same time, I was just like, I'm, I'm tired of you complaining. Um, this is, this is exactly what I'm looking at. And, uh, you know, so we, we avoid that. We avoid the mentioning of individual stats. Now, uh, we might pull a kid aside and say something, uh, about, Hey, the other night you had six turnovers. You, you, you know, I know you're going to turn it over a little bit, but you can't have six. You need to keep it down to around three. You got to cut that in half or, or, or something like that. Uh, but as a team, as a whole, we don't do that. I know other programs do. Um, that's, that's their prerogative. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling anybody that's right or wrong. I'm just telling you what we do. That's what, uh, that's what I always do on every podcast that I do. And it's worked for me. Um, and like I said, now in this day of age, day and age, if they want to go see their stats, they can get on. They can get on Max Preps. They can get on the the Iowa site. They can they could go about anywhere and find their individual stats. But we don't bring it up. I I give my kids their stats two times a year. I okay. give them their stats as we go into Christmas break, mm-hmm. um, and I usually do kind of like a little highlight thing. Usually highlight in yellow things that I'm I'm happy about. Yeah. And, orange is stuff that I would like to see improved. And then I give it, give them their stats at the end of the season banquet. I Those like are the only two times that I yep. share their stats. Now we, we, we do, do that at the end of the year coach. banquet. I'm sorry. We do give them, we do print it off and give it to them at the end of the year. Yeah. But I, I like how you do that though, Tony, that's the, if you're going to give it to them, I like, I like how you put that together for them. So sorry, I interrupted. No, you. You're good. I was just going to say, and with being a sophomore, we don't have to post our stats. That's not something that's required. You can, if you want to, um, I'm not going to do anybody scouting for them, so I, I don't put them on 
bound or anything like that. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm kind of the same. And maybe it's because we're both experienced, but I'm kind of from the same cloth just in terms of, you know, the things that I talk about are basically team things um, as far as stats go. And I tell them the biggest thing that we want to be the one win stat on is we want to have more points than the other team at the end of the game. Yep. And that's really what our emphasis is at. That's, that's the, that is the number one thing that you have to worry about. And when you lose sight of that, that's, that's when you get into trouble. You know, you uh, beware the kid that's, happy that they scored a lot but your team lost then yeah then i mean been there done that tony um and usually those are the type of teams that that really really struggle i i'm sure you've been there um um, i'm i'm very confident you've probably been there and and i'm sure it was probably the same thing for you wasn't it just a miserable experience you know where where if you get wrapped up in that stuff and don't get me wrong i want kids to succeed i want them you know for example, we've had players of the year in our conference before. I've, I want them to get those types of accolades. But at the same time, uh, the thing that I want them to understand is the fact that you know it is a team game. And with being a team, the acronym stands for Together Everyone Achieves More. Um, that's what it's about. It's not about you know individual success at the expense of team success and that's that's something that i think is a part of life and that's one of the great things about team sports is i think team sports really helps you learn some of those lessons later on you know that that you're learning at home already but also that will help you as you get ready to to be a part of a family even further your own family where you are the patriarch or the matriarch of that family and just some of those lessons that you learn from team sports it's not about you and i think that's one of the things that's hard in life just to learn that lesson that it's not about you Uh Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs. And now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. You know who else really believes in team, Tony? You're up. You betcha it is, buddy. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, are you ready, sir, for your trivia question this week? I'm asking it, right? No. I'm, I, I'm answering. I, you're answering, because I answered Man, last I had a good one, too. Did you really? I did. Okay. I did. All but right. I'll, I'll, I'll let you. Okay. It's your turn. Okay. All uh, right. It's not about me. <laughs> it's, it's about the team. That's right. It's about, <laughs> our, it's about our podcast. Because <laughs> we achieve more together. So There you go. Um, were you watching the Liberty um, Were you watching the Liberty Sun game before we came on? I am watching the Cubs and okay. paying attention to the Liberty Sun game on the internet okay so if you would have been watching the game 
you would have heard this trip. I had one trivia question lined up that I thought that's an even better question than what I have. So I switched mine up at the at the eleventh hour here. Okay, so Brianna Stewart voted MVP yesterday. Close, close numbers there. Uh, we could talk about that in our TWIB segment. Um, voted MVP. Second MVP that she has won. She also won an MVP with the Seattle Storm in 2018. So she has won an MVP with two different franchises. There has only been one other player in WNBA history who has won an MVP with two different franchises. Who was it? You want to know what I, I thought? I thought I had a trivia question. It wasn't the exact same one. It was a little bit different, but I did I did look at this too, but it's Elena Deladon. Very well done. Yes. Uh, was it Chicago and Washington, I believe? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Now, the crazy thing was, I was going to say with Brianna Stewart, mine was she didn't get the most first place votes. Uh, that was actually Alyssa Thomas yeah. that got more first place votes than her. And I was going to tell you that there was one other time in WNBA history that someone won the MVP without getting the most first place votes oh. and ask you who that was. And you would have said. Elena Deladon. No, Cheryl Swoops. Oh, really? Uh, she won it over Lauren Jackson, who actually got more first place votes. <sighs> Lauren Jackson was really good. She was really good. Was good. Yeah, it was a back injuries that shortened her career, but man, she was good. Her and Sue Bird, when they were in their heyday with the Storm, that was a tough duo. Yeah, you know, I, I believe even the great Mel Allen would say about those two. Yes, he would. And uh, you are the king of the Segway. I <laughs> just call me Mike Greenberg. <laughs> I figured it out. All right, Greeny. All right, Greeny. You know. So uh, next up, the Liberty is Liberty dead or is it still alive? You know, come back in four minutes and we'll find out. So, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, our, our, our Twib segment this week. Um, let, let's start with the with the playoffs. Now we're taping this. On Tuesday night, because I'm busy on Wednesday night, Tony's busy on Thursday night, and and so we're we're working our way through this, and uh, uh, it's uh, about the end of the third quarter of the Liberty uh, Sun game. You know, I thought the Sun were going to challenge the Liberty. I I did not think they would they would go into Brooklyn and give them a beatdown the way that they did uh on on sunday but they kicked the snot out of them and uh, 63 wasn't it yeah yeah they have been uh really physical with their defense they've been able to get away with a lot of uh physicality uh and and taken anescu and especially stewie out of their games and uh the liberty you know i was watching our, our son carter was home this weekend and Man, they, they, they gave up about a half a dozen layups in the first quarter, and I was telling Carter, I was like, this is bad defense. This is going to come back to haunt them. And, you know, they, you know, I turned out to be right. Uh, they were just not really ready to play on Sunday. Uh, right now it's about at the end of the third quarter. I think the, uh, the Liberty were up about four the last time I checked here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just kind of your uh, – Liberty are up to at the end of the third quarter. So – um, did you watch the games on Wednesday? What have you kind of seen, buddy? 
You know, with with things, Alyssa Thomas locked Stewart down. Um, yeah. You know, that the first game held him to sixty three, like you said. Uh, it was a very physical game, and and that's kind of as you advance in the playoffs and you get in the postseason. That that's really kind of how the refs let you play. Yeah. And so it's not as free flowing maybe as what you see in the regular season. Um, you know, I really thought the Liberty at the end of the season were the best team. I thought they had surpassed the Aces. Um, but at the same time, Connecticut is one of those teams that you are just gritty. You don't yeah. want to see them on the other side. I give Stephanie White a lot of credit. First-year coach, obviously building off of what Kurt Miller did, but they lost Brianna Jones. They're probably their best post player, and they have, have played really, really well. They steal this one tonight, and they're up two-zip going back to Connecticut. They're not coming back to New York for Game 5. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. I, I, I think that... Uh, they've they've really like you said, Tony. I love the word grit, and uh, that's that's exactly what they're doing. Again, they're, the one thing I've really seen is is the Liberty offense has struggled, but it's in large part due to Connecticut's physicality on defense. I mean, they're making them really work on getting through through screens. Uh, there's there's somebody in the lane taking away driving lanes. Uh, yeah, and and again, Stewie has not played well the first game and a half. Now I don't know what she did in the third quarter here because that's when we started taping was at halftime. But um, they've they've been they've been really really impressive. They have been the better team through a game and a half. And you know we'll see what plays out here in this fourth quarter. And and if you're the Liberty, you just focus on winning this game, and then you just got to go on the road and win again. You know Get and one. you know, but they, they got to take care of tonight first. So. Uh, Las Vegas, really, really dominant, uh, shot it extremely well. Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum both had big games on, uh, on Sunday and that Asia Wilson girl would get some minutes at Fort Calhoun as well. Uh, she, she, she's pretty good. Uh, you know, it, it looked like, and we'll see what happens here tonight. Uh, but just, uh, when those four, uh, when those top four players from Las Vegas are all cooking at the same time, which is the way they were kind of playing on Sunday, they're awfully tough to beat. Yeah, when Asia puts up the stats she put up, I mean, I think going in, no one had put up her stats, and then she's done it the last two games. She's been very consistent, 30-plus points. Uh, she was the defensive player of the year in the WNBA again uh, for the second year in the row. And I, w- I would give her credit because uh, she, she ended up, you know, saying, hey, I can take the risk I take because I have Kia Stokes back there protecting my back. And I think that's a sign of a good teammate, um, yeah. you know, giving credit to someone who oftentimes gets overlooked. Um, but they look really, really good. Um, and that's the crazy thing about basketball is, you know, you last week I'm singing the praises of the Liberty and saying I'm concerned with the with the Aces and the Aces <laughs> after game one look like clearly the best team is still left in the playoffs. Yeah. But if Dallas steals one tonight, Goomba Wale goes off, uh, you know, they get some support out of their other players, then I might be singing a different tune there. But the Aces look like they're they're playing like they had played about in the middle to the two-thirds of the way through the season. My only question with them is, is Candace Parker going to play in the postseason? And, mm-hmm. you know, if she doesn't, I still don't know. I mean, Connecticut's good enough to win the whole thing, obviously. Yep, yep. I, I think three of the four teams, you can make an argument that they could win. I think Dallas is a distant fourth. Uh, but, you know, the other three, 
uh, especially with the way Connecticut's playing right now. Um, yeah, you can make the argument. You can make the argument with, with timely shooting and uh, togetherness, just really uh, playing as one unit. Uh, and, and I keep saying this, Tony, on the defensive end is where I've really been impressed with Connecticut. And, and if you're a team that doesn't have the same amount of talent, You've got to be better on the defensive end, and then you got to hit some timely shots. And they've had some players hit some timely shots here now. So, um, so yeah, let's 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 you know by this time next week, uh, a lot of the dust will be settled. We'll probably have our WNBA finals on our hands, and and we'll be talking about that. So we'll see what happens here. So, a um, couple quick things here before we get into our NBA Central predictions. Happy birthday, Hubie Brown! Turned ninety this week. Uh, I still love Tony. I don't know about you. I could sit there and listen to Hubie call a game all day, every day. I know there's some people that don't like Hubie. I love him. I think he's a coach's coach that is calling a game. Uh, when I do my little bit of uh, radio announcing, uh, I, I I do a lot of Hubie type of stuff, and, and I really like listening to him. Uh, terrific coach. I can't wait to see you dress like him the first game of the year this year. It's going to be very stylish. I'm going to have Rita take a picture. And uh, but happy birthday, Hubie Brown. Yeah, 90 years old and one of the top color commentators in the game. Yep. Um, he has forgot more basketball than probably 99 point whatever percent of the world has ever, you know, known. And, and just he's he's unbelievable with his with his mind and his knowledge of the game. Like you, I do enjoy when he's on a broadcast. Um, to be honest with you, I can't think of many others that I enjoy listening to more mm-hmm. than Hubie Brown. Uh, but yeah, at 90, just, I'm just super impressed. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Kim Mulkey uh, found out she had a 95 to 99% blockage in one of her arteries and had a procedure done uh, this summer. That came out the last day or two. Uh, so... You know, thank goodness that she's all right, that she was able to, to, to get that taken care of. So that's good to hear. Um, that was it for me, Tony, other than the, the NBA stuff. Do you have anything else for the TWIB? The only thing I would add is there's a lot of rumors out there that Dame Lillard is going to be moved before uh, training camp October 2nd. Okay. And we're starting to see teams emerge that aren't the Miami Heat. So I will be very interested to see uh, the betting favorites, according to Las Vegas last night, were the Toronto Raptors, which if he goes there, you know, could he pull a Kawhi, you know, like, you know, be there for a year, have success, and then right off into the sunset. Um, what, uh, what's the package that the Raptors would be sending back there? We're talking Scotty Barnes, uh, oh, wow. and then I don't know if Pascal Siakam, it was one or the other, but those were kind of some of the names and then some some picks in there as well. Because um, they were saying, hey, would you rather have Tyler Hero or Scotty Barnes? And they're like, well, definitely Scotty Barnes. Barnes. And then I saw another one where there was a three-way deal between Portland, Philly, and Miami. That was another one that was being floated as well. So a mm-hmm. uh, lot, of, lot of scuttlebutt out there that Dame will be moved here in, in less – than a week okay well we'll keep an eye on it here and and maybe we'll have something to talk about with it next week so a pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, 
send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. Uh, we're going to continue our NBA preview here, NBA Central, this week. Last week we did the Atlantic Division. Now we're doing the Central Division. Um, as good as the Atlantic is, uh, we're, we're, we're staring down a couple of, uh, one of the few uh, bad teams in the league that, that you could say, and, and bad in the sense of they're really, really young here. Uh, Tony, I've got. We'll, we'll start fifth place. Uh, I've got Detroit in fifth. Uh, is that who you have? Yeah, that's who I would put there too. The one thing I would say though, if I was buying stock in a team's future, yep, this is a team I would buy. I yep. love Cade Cunningham. Yep. Um, I love the Ivy kid as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have uh, one of the Thompson twins, if I remember correctly. They got them in the draft. Um, but this is a, this is a young team. I would buy some stock, and I think they have Jalen Duran as well, if I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, but yeah, this is a team. They're they're bad now, but in a year or two, they could go from from basically the basement to the penthouse. They could be depending mm-hmm. upon what happens with Giannis. They could be a team in the near future that that the Central runs through them. Yeah. Um, Cade uh, apparently played really really well against the Olympic team uh, during their their workouts during their preparation. Uh, he missed most of the year last year. Uh, they pretty obviously tanked pretty well. I, they, they were in no hurry to rush Cade back because they were hoping to get Wimbenyama, uh, as was many teams. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what I think this is his third year. Uh, it's supposed to be his third year, third or fourth year. Uh, and, and we'll see what kind of jump he makes. But I'm, I'm anxious to see, yeah, in, in about three years, uh, Detroit could be kind of be, you know, they could be ready to make some, some real significant noise here. Uh, they're, they're probably going to spend one more year in the lottery and then they're probably going to look to move up and, and, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with them. So, um, in fourth, Tony, I had Chicago. I, I would kind of buy into that, but I'm actually going to go Indiana. I just don't know if Indiana has enough around Halliburton who I think is really, really good, um, you know, but I'm going to go Indiana still, but I, I could see that. That would be one that I could see a flip there pretty easy. I think Halliburton is ready to make a leap. Um, now, and again, both teams are, are, are still flawed. I really like the Bruce Brown addition to Indiana. I think he's going to be a, a great addition, just, you know, Swiss Army knife. Now, I did hear that Buddy Heald wants out. Uh, and mm-hmm. they're looking to trade him. Uh, what they get back for him, again, today is September 26th. We're basing these predictions on rosters and conditions and so forth and so on on September 26th. Uh, but Matherin had a good year last year for a rookie, scored a lot, obviously made a lot of mistakes as well. Uh, but but he'll be better. Uh, Nebhard as the backup. Uh, you know, Miles Turner is a is a solid big man. Obi Toppin getting him in a in a trade in the offseason. I really like that acquisition. I really liked the Walker kid that they drafted out of Houston. Um, obviously, he's going to, again, like most rookies, he's going to be inconsistent. He's going to make a lot of mistakes, but I like his athleticism. I like his upside. I love his motor. You know, if you play for Kelvin Sampson, you're going to play defense. And I, I just like the direction that they're going. I, I think it's... I, I think they're on the up, whereas Chicago is just kind of in that dreaded 
middle. They're not going up, they're not going down, but they're older, and, you know, their best player is DeRozan, who's, you know, been around since Hubie started coaching, I think. Um, you know, losing Lonzo Ball, they they really had caught some lightning in a bottle when Lonzo and Levine were their starting point guards, and then they brought in Caruso as that third guard, and they they were really, really good for the first 45 or 50 games a couple of years ago, and then Lonzo gotten hurt, or he got hurt. He hasn't, you know, obviously been back, and I think that's just been... That's just been too much for them to overcome, and um, I, I just I, I think Indiana is going to be two or three games better than Chicago, and and I could see Chicago because of their age. Um, if they get to the trade deadline and they're still stuck in that nine, ten, eleven area, they start fire selling some guys off, and they try to you know just say okay, we've we've got to move on to the to the next. We we've got to go to through another, unfortunately for the Bulls fans, rebuild um, because we, we just don't have what we need. So that was kind of my decision. Yeah, I, I like uh, with the Bulls, and I think it's a year away from the flip. Uh, I just think Levine and DeRozan are two really good players that give them just the slightest edge mm-hmm. over the Pacers. But, yeah, I mean, it's it, it wouldn't surprise me if it happens this year. I just think it'll be next. Yep. Uh, who do you have in second, Tony? Second place, I'm going with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yep, yep, me as well. Uh, I think they will, though, close the gap on the Bucks this year. Um, I like the moves that they made. I really like the signing of Max Struess. I think he's a perfect fit for them offensively. They don't need a lot of help defensively. Uh, they needed more offense, and with Struess and Georges Niang coming in off the bench, you got Karis LeVert, little Energizer Bunny coming in. I think Evan Mobley at some again, this is his third year. I think he's, uh, I think he's really ready to break out. He needs to break out for them offensively uh, to take the next step. But I, I like, I like the moves that they made. Is it enough to break past Milwaukee? I don't think so. But I think they moved closer to that, and that if if Giannis, let's say Cleveland finds a way to get a four seed and they're playing Milwaukee as a one seed, just let's just say that's the the circumstances it was, and Giannis gets hurt again, gets hurt again, I think Cleveland would definitely, I think they would challenge them regardless. I don't think I think it'd be four to two Milwaukee or so and something like that, but. You know they've they put themselves in as good a position as they can with Garland Mitchell and uh, that those two car- guards being their core. You know the only thing I kind of question a little bit with Cleveland is the chemistry. Um, I've heard a little bit of rumblings that Donovan Mitchell doesn't want to be there, and this will be his last year uh, with them. But mm-hmm. again, I'm not you know uh, woes or anything like that. But I just I question their their chemistry a little bit. I think. Like you mentioned, it might be a little bit closer gap because I don't think the Bucks are going to push themselves terribly hard in the regular season yeah. and try to be as healthy as possible in the postseason. Yeah, and and that brings us to the Bucks. Um, they're not chasing the eighty-two games; they're chasing the sixteen games, and and that's what they have to be all about, especially with the way that Giannis has talked here in the off season. Um, you know, if he doesn't feel like they're going in the direction, he, he has to think about himself and he wants to win and, you know, that type of thing. So I think that changes the calculus a little bit for Milwaukee, don't you think, Tony? 
Yeah, and I, I think the big thing is, you know, obviously Middleton wasn't himself last year. Yep. Uh, I think that's that's a part he's going to have to come back to being himself again. Uh, I think them getting Brooke Lopez back was big because he was a, a pretty hot commodity out there on the free agent market. Uh, Drew Holiday is a really, really good point guard, but if you look at their ages – that's where things start to get a little bit interesting there because, yeah. again, you take a look at the fact that um, Drew's 33. Um, you go through, you take a look that Brooke is 35, and Chris Middleton is not you know, a, a, a youngster. Chicken. He's 32. Yeah. And so that would be where I would have some concern if I was Giannis as well. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't – yeah, you can't blame him for that. Yeah, I, Giannis is the youngest. He's their best player, but he's their youngest of their core four there. Um, and they mortgaged a lot of their future to get Drew Holiday. They had to do that to win a championship, but they also knew that that bill would have to come at some point. And uh, Drew had a great year last year. Can he do something like that again this year? I think, like you said, Tony, the X factor is Middleton. If Middleton gets back to the way that he played the year that they won the championship, then I think Milwaukee has a great chance to come out of the East um, they've got a new coach, um, AJ Griffin, I believe is who uh-huh. it is. And I think some of the questions about Budenholzer, um, which I, I mean, I'm really torn. I think Bud was a great coach. He obviously won a championship. He comes from the Spurs tree. He obviously knows what he's doing. Uh, I think some of that criticism was, uh, unfair at times towards him. Uh, especially last year. I mean, Giannis gets hurt. He's basically playing on one leg. And, oh, by the way, his brother died. Uh, sorry he wasn't completely locked in on basketball. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I just didn't think that that was – I just didn't think that was very fair, in my opinion. And, I'm, you know, more often than not, I'm going to defend the coach over anything else. So, But I, I think this is, in theory, on paper, one of the, the two or three best teams in the East, probably them and Boston – are the two best teams, but it's like you said, they're an older team. They're an older team. Um, and they've got to get through the regular season healthy because again, for this team now, it's not about the first 82 games. It's winning 16 after that. And that's, that's the one and only thing that they have to worry about. Yep. Cause if they can win the 16, they'll keep Giannis happy and maybe sign an extension. And if they, you know, injuries and, you know, father times undefeated. Yep. Um, he may end up in, I don't know, New York City. Yeah, yeah. Or, I don't know, Las Vegas with an expansion team. I don't know. We'll see. No, not really. That's not going to happen. So, um, All right. Anything else, Tony? No, I think that was my, my basketball uh, agenda tonight. All right. So, episode 57, Balancing Individual Wants with Team Needs. Another great conversation with Tony. Um, a lot of good stuff here, and uh, he nailed the trivia question. Well done, my friend. Uh, just a lot of good stuff. If you need anything from us, you know how to get a hold of us. Uh, email, Twitter, all that other uh, good stuff, and, and, and we're always there to help. So, uh, coaches, if you need anything, reach out to us. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to own our craft one day at a time.